Coming up next, our local district attorney's office will take a look at some of the more intriguing court cases from our own community. But before the show begins, retired assistant district attorney J. Paul Newman has a special message. We dedicate today's broadcast to Thomas Fowler Jackson, Jr. Tom Jackson passed away on February the 20th, 2024. Tom Jackson served our community as an assistant district attorney general for many years. God blessed Tom with many talents. Tom served with professionalism, compassion, and humility. Tom had an outstanding understanding of our law, but even more outstanding was Tom's understanding of people. Tom Jackson treated everyone he met in the courtroom with dignity, with respect, and with fairness. Tom Jackson was well known and well thought of in our community. For the 25 years I was an assistant district attorney, Tom Jackson was more than a co-worker. Tom served as a role model, a source of encouragement and strength. It has been a true blessing to have known Tom Jackson. And it is my great honor to have had Tom Jackson as my friend. It is with great sadness and fond memories that we bid farewell to Thomas Fowler Jackson, Jr. Tom, rest in peace. The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Your host, J. Paul Newman of the Monthly District Attorney Show, will now take you on a journey to explore recent Rutherford County court cases, cold cases, and more. We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-hosts today are Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And we also thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, We thank you for listening. We will begin our broadcast after you listen to these important messages. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas' Restaurants. One of the new menu items that we have added is our Salmon Imperial. Our Salmon Imperial is a fresh-cut piece of salmon with shrimp and a crab meat blend, and then we've put our Alfredo sauce on top of it. It's great for a low-carb diet that you can get with spinach, but also it just has an amazing flavor with a mixture of all those flavors between the shrimp Alfredo and then our salmon. Please have your family join our family for lunch or dinner seven days a week at Demas's. Hi, this is Brandon. I am the drum instructor at Music World Drummer's Den. What Dave and I try to do, because we're drummers, is hands-on experience. We let you come back in the drum room so you can try drums out before you buy them, because online you can't do that. Taking private lessons, we jumpstart you a lot quicker than you can on YouTube. A lot of people try to watch YouTube and take lessons. We're hands-on. Music World and Drummer's Den in Murfreesboro, 2762 South Church Street, across from Indian Hills Golf Course. The viewpoints and opinions expressed on this broadcast 
are the viewpoints and opinions of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints and opinions of this show, its host, or the management of this station. You are listening to WGNS. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office. Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney General, Jennings Jones, and today I will be your tour guide through this episode of Inside the Courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go Inside the Courts. On March 16th, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department were dispatched to a residence on Swanson Lane in response to a 911 call. Upon arrival, officers located the body of Thatsophone Cesarino. Mrs. Cesarino had been beaten to death in her garage and her throat had been cut. The victim's husband, Focam Cesarino, was unaccounted for and later found covered in blood. After conducting an interview of Mr. Cesarino, he was charged with first-degree murder. Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as lead investigator. Mr. Cesarino is represented by the Office of the Public Defender. On November 1st, the case was bound over to be heard by a Rutherford County Grand Jury. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. On February the 15th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call of shots fired at an apartment complex on Puckett Creek Crossing. Officers discovered the body of Miss Rebecca Stockton on the floor of her apartment. Miss Stockton had been shot multiple times. Detective Julie Cox was assigned as the lead investigator. Miss Stockton's live-in boyfriend, Salim Hamilton, was missing. A manhunt for Mr. Hamilton was ordered, and Mr. Hamilton was located in Corbin, Kentucky. Mr. Hamilton was found to be in possession of the rental car of Miss Stockton and a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Miss Stockton was shot and killed with a 40 caliber semi-automatic handgun. Mr. Hamilton was charged with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Mr. Hamilton has been charged with first-degree murder by the Murfreesboro Police Department and was extradited back to Tennessee from Corbin, Kentucky. A preliminary hearing was held on January 4th of this year, and the General Sessions Court bound the case over to a Rutherford County grand jury. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch, while the defense is represented by Mr. Chris Fisher. On February the 13th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call in reference to a stabbing at a residence on Ransom Drive. Upon entry, officers discovered the body of Mr. Philip Maddox on a bedroom floor. Mr. Maddox had been stabbed multiple times. Witnesses on scene advised that Mr. Maddox's roommate, Malik Smith, admitted to stabbing Mr. Maddox. Officers located Mr. Smith, and Mr. Smith confirmed the witness's claim that he had stabbed Mr. Maddox. Detective David Miller of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. After a search of the residence, collection of evidence, and interviewing all witnesses, Mr. Smith was charged with first-degree murder. On May 31st of last year, a preliminary hearing was held, and the court found probable cause to bind this matter over to the grand jury. Mr. Smith is represented by Murfreesboro attorney John Slager. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. 
On March 12th of 2021, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department witnessed the shooting and murder of Mr. Carlos Vasquez and the shooting and attempted murder of Ms. Chilene Zabala Calazo. Officers immediately began a pursuit of the vehicle after witnessing a male in dark-colored clothing exit the vehicle and shoot the victim multiple times. During the pursuit, Marquise Perkins jumped out of the moving vehicle, a van, and fled on foot. Officers pursued Perkins, who was able to jump into a running vehicle left unattended in front of a residence on Minor Street. Another vehicle pursuit began and Perkins crashed into three other vehicles while trying to evade the police. Perkins eventually crashed into the stolen car and was taken into custody. Perkins was found with a cell phone that had the victim's address typed into Google Maps. An analysis of his clothing revealed gunshot residue on his outer clothing and a live 9mm round was found in his pants pocket. A 9mm had been used to commit the murder. After Perkins jumped from the van, the pursuit of the van continued. The driver of the van also struck three vehicles in an attempt to elude law enforcement. The driver jumped out of the van and ran on foot, successfully evading capture. From information gathered from Mr. Perkins' phone as well as evidence collected from the van, Demetrius Ford was developed as a suspect. Ford and Perkins' DNA were found in the van and Ford's contact information and photograph were found in Perkins' phone. Ford was later located in Detroit, Michigan. A cell phone was taken off Ford's person and revealed that on the night of the shooting, minutes after the shooting, Ford began a texting associates and coordinating with his mother to come from Antioch to pick him up. Ford dropped a location pin on his phone and described the location he was hiding in to his associates to provide to his mother. The location was two streets away from where the van was abandoned. Ford's cellular tower data information tracked Ford coming from Antioch with Perkins, going to the area of the victim's residence, and then text with others about his locations and warnings of police in the area. Ford then traveled back to Antioch and later to Detroit. Three days after the murder, Ford posted a video of himself with a large sum of money. Through assistance with federal law enforcement agencies, it was determined that Ford and Perkins were hired to murder Mr. Vasquez, who was involved in an international drug trafficking and money laundering organization. Mr. Vasquez had subsequently cooperated with the federal investigation against members of this drug trafficking and money laundering organization. An ongoing investigation by federal law enforcement agencies prohibits the release of the name of the organization. On January 22nd of this year, Demetrius Ford entered a plea to first-degree murder and received a life sentence concurrent to a 20-year sentence for attempted first-degree murder. On that same day, Marquise Perkins entered a plea of guilty to first-degree murder and also received a life sentence concurrent to 25-year sentence for attempted first-degree murder. Ford was represented by counsel Mr. Jeff Cherry, while Perkins was represented by Mr. Will Fraley. I represented the state in this matter, along with Assistant District Attorneys Will DeMint and Trevor Lynch. On June 27th of 2018, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting on Old Las Casas Pike. Upon arrival, officers located Dylan Biddle Jr., who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds. Mr. Biddle died from his injuries. Officers were also contacted about an unknown male that had been shot and was attempting to get into vehicles at the Reeves Rogers Elementary School. That male was later identified as Albert Mustafa. Detective Sergeant Tommy Massey was assigned as lead investigator. Multiple witnesses were interviewed and evidence on scene was collected. Upon conclusion of the investigation, it was determined that Mr. Mustafa went to the residence on Old Las Casas with the intent to commit a robbery. Mr. Biddle was a guest at the residence. Mr. Mustafa entered the residence and attempted to rob Mr. Biddle. 
During the course of the attempted robbery, Mr. Biddle was shot and killed. Mr. Biddle was, however, however, able to return fire, and Mr. Mustafa sustained a gunshot wound as a result. Mr. Mustafa was charged with first-degree felony murder, attempted aggravated robbery, robbery while acting in concert with two or more persons, and conspiracy to commit aggravated robbery. Mr. Mustafa was represented by Mr. Thomas Parkinson. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Ashley Chisholm Hall. Trial in this matter was held between August the 14th and August the 22nd, and a jury of Mr. Mustafa's peers found him guilty as charged. Circuit Court Judge Barry Tidwell sentenced Mr. Mustafa to life in prison for first-degree murder. A sentencing hearing will be held on March 14th of this year for the remainder of his charges. On December 11th of 2021, Dorocas Harris was found to be in possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and a firearm by a convicted felon by the Murfreesboro Police Department. Harris pled guilty to possession of marijuana and drug paraphernalia, but denied possessing the firearm. Harris had previously been convicted on felony drug charges in 2007 for selling cocaine. Harris went to trial on January 22nd of this year and was found guilty of possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. At trial, Harris called an ex-girlfriend to testify that the gun was hers. When questioned about the firearm, however, the woman knew nothing about it. She did not know what caliber it was, how to load it, if it was loaded, where to buy bullets for it, or what kind of gun it was. She ended her testimony by saying that she is afraid of guns and doesn't know very much about them. The jury was able to determine that she merely bought the firearm for Harris and had no other involvement with the weapon. Harris was represented by counsel Mr. Jack Mitchell, and the state was represented by assistant district attorneys John Zimmerman and Morgan Brown. Harris is scheduled for sentencing hearing on April 25th of this year. On September 27th of 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to 911 calls regarding gunshots on Gunnerson Avenue. Upon arrival, officers located Mr. Javarius Malone. Mr. M Mr. Malone had a single gunshot wound to the chest. Law enforcement officers and EMTs worked to save Mr. Malone, but he did not survive his injuries. Detective Cody Thomas with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as the lead investigator. Upon interviewing witnesses, obtaining apartment complex security video footage, and using cell phone and GPS data, Corey Mansell Lillard Jr. and a juvenile were identified as suspects. At the conclusion of Detective Thomas's investigation, Mr. Lillard and the juvenile were both charged with first-degree murder, employing a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, and attempt to sell a Schedule I drug. A preliminary hearing for Mr. Lillard was held before a Rutherford County General Sessions Court, and upon hearing proof presented by the state, the case was bound over to the grand jury. Mr. Lillard was indicted in February of 2022, and he was represented by counsel Mr. Thomas Maynard, while the state was represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Matt Westmoreland. On November the 9th of this year, Mr. Lillard entered pleas of guilty to facilitation to first-degree murder in an attempt to sell a Schedule I drug. Mr. Lillard was sentenced to 20 years to serve at TDOC. Mr. Lillard also entered pleas of guilty to the charges of aggravated assault, theft over 10,000, and five counts of auto burglary. A trial is scheduled to begin in February of this year on Mr. Keon Tucker for allegations of uh, two counts of first-degree murder, then one count especially aggravated robbery, aggravated burglary, employment of a weapon during the commission of a dangerous felony, tampering with evidence, and possession of marijuana. 
Mr. Tucker is represented by Mr. Luke Evans, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Tammy Redding. A trial is scheduled to begin on April 1st of this year on Mr. Chris, pardon me, Mr. Chris Robinson and Mr. Chris White for allegations of first-degree murder, aggravated burglary, especially aggravated robbery, especially aggravated kidnapping, employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, a, f- a convicted felon being in possession of a firearm, and tampering with evidence. Mr. White is represented by Mr. Paul Bruno and Mr. Robinson by Mr. Rob McKinney and Brian Lewis. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Ashley Chisholm Hall. A trial is scheduled for May the 13th of this year on Carmen de la Cruz for an allegation of second-degree murder. Mr. Cruz is represented by Mr. Brendan, pardon me, Brendan Foy and the state represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. A trial is scheduled for May 20th of this year on Gregory Lyons. Mr. Lyons faces charges of first-degree murder, attempt to sell a Schedule One drug, conspiracy to sell a Schedule One drug, and employing a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony. Mr. Lyons is represented by Mr. Will Fraley, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Matt Westmoreland. A trial is scheduled to begin on September 23rd of this year on Yo Sincere Fomfan for allegations of first-degree murder, attempted aggravated robbery, felon in possession of a weapon, and tampering with evidence. Mr. Fomfan is represented by Mr. Jack Missel, pardon me, Mitchell, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Haley Ranieri. A trial is scheduled for November the 18th of this year on Irwin Odom, For the allegation of first-degree murder, Mr. Odom is represented by counsel, Mr. Josh Crane, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. And that will conclude today's look inside the courts. The viewpoints and opinions expressed on this broadcast are the viewpoints and opinions of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints and opinions of this show, its host, or the management of this station. You are listening to WGNS. This message for all the men out there. Ladies, cover your ears. If you've been feeling tired and grumpy and have noticed a lack of motivation and drive, have weight gain and loss of muscle mass, these could all be signs of low testosterone levels. And at Low T Center, they make it quick and easy to get your levels checked. It's as simple as a blood test with their on-site lab, and they'll get your results back in about 25 minutes. What I love about Low T Center is it's geared towards us, men. They know we don't like to wait around. They know we're impatient. And they know that we like things simple. For me, at times, that means making things a little more simple to understand, too, because we're guys and we're more focused on heading home to start working on that project car in the garage. Who knows what you're thinking? We're guys. There's no telling. But let me recommend Low T Center. Most health insurance is accepted for treatment there, and they have the affordable and convenient treatment options that include physician-monitored, self-inject at-home treatment for their established patients, shipping treatments directly to you. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. We have something in the library that I've been working with, and that's a shelf of Adams Place authors. 
quite a few books that have been written by people who lived here. That's a highlight in the library that I'm proud of. Margaret Ordobadian. And we didn't consider any other place. (laughs) This was it. (laughs) I'm Terry Deal. Call me from about Adam's place. Phone 615-904-9111. Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart. In our cold case profile segment, we will highlight three unsolved murders. They are the 2019 murder of Terrell Ray, the 2016 murder of Fausto Hernandez, and the 2009 murder of Anthony Davis. To discuss those cases, I have two very special guests. First, we will welcome Detective James Abbott from the Murfreesboro Police Department. And we will also welcome the public information officer for the Murfreesboro Police Department, Larry Flowers. Larry Flowers will not only highlight his duties, but he will share with us the many innovations that the Murfreesboro Police Department has made in asking for the public's help in solving unsolved homicides. Every homicide, every rape, every robbery affects the entire community. People who are victims of these crimes need closure. The people who committed these crimes must be held accountable. Law enforcement needs the community's help in seeking justice. Please listen as we review an unsolved mystery in this month's Cold Case Profile. We welcome James Abbott to our microphones. Share with the audience your training, education, and your work experience. Good morning. My training experience, I've had numerous courses in training in homicide investigations, cold case homicide, murder investigations, interview, interrogation, and courses, search and seizure, crime analysis. I also have a bachelor's and a master's from Middle Tennessee State University. I'm currently working on my doctorate at University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. Recently completed my coursework now working on my dissertation there. So, I mean, that's that's pretty much the extent of my, my, my experience. I pretty much, I'm always, always training. This job is one of those where you're always training. Today, we're going to be asking for the public's help in solving three unsolved homicides. But before we discuss those three cases, I want to ask you a few questions designed to enlighten the public regarding what is often referred to as cold case investigations. And I know that you have investigated and solved numerous homicides and have testified many times in court. In your training and experience, what category or type of evidence is the most powerful in helping to solve homicides? One of the most powerful ones is witness statements. If we have witnesses, uh, that is, that's excellent for our investigation. But to be honest with you, uh, it, it takes a combination of things, particularly to get to a successful prosecution. Fingerprints, blood evidence uh, as far as DNA, trace evidence, weapons, uh, any type, you know, being able to uh, identify the specific weapon. Uh, phone evidence records, uh, text messages, emails, and even social media is now huge for our investigations. Research shows that homicides are most often solved because somebody tells you something and that witness statements are the most important type of evidence for solving a homicide. Do you agree with that research? And can you share with us an example of witness statements solving a homicide? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's very true. Um, matter of fact, one particular case you and I both worked on, which was the uh, Ellis Wayne Smith homicide. Uh, you may remember we had numerous people coming forward saying that they had information about the case. And there was information that we had withheld about the investigation because all these people were giving us all this uh, information coming forward and telling us, but it was all uh, false information. They were, they were looking for maybe a break in the court system themselves or things. Uh, so by keep withholding that key information, uh, when we actually did have two individuals that had spoken to the suspect and the suspect had actually told them what happened, when they came forward, uh, it opened up the entire investigation and, of course, led to successful prosecution of the individual himself. Keeping in mind the importance of witness statements, what factors are helpful in obtaining witness cooperation, in your opinion? Some of the biggest factors for us is, uh, number one, you have to build rapport and, and, and sometimes, in some cases, uh, earn respect with the, with the witness themselves. A lot of, a lot of it comes down to likability. Uh, there's some people that will walk into an interview room and, and it's like flipping on a light switch. No one wants to talk to them. Uh, and it's the same way with you know some people walking into a room anywhere. Uh, at the other times, uh, there's others that will sit down, become very personal with that person, and, and they'll get them to talk. And you know, and also it comes down to getting the community as well, uh, getting information out there to the community. A lot of times, community members may hear someone talk about a case. And they are, they're kind of limited on, well, who would they need to talk to? But if you get out there and you talk, or talk to people and get that information out there uh, with the community, then they usually know who to talk to. So I always say, you know, you've got to hand out your business cards like a politician. Uh, let everybody know who you are and, and get that information out there. What do you believe is the most significant factor or factors for a homicide remaining unsolved? Uh, usually the most significant factors for us that, that I have found over the years is a lack of witnesses and a lack of physical evidence. Those are the two key ones that, that usually hamper our investigations the most. With that as background, let's profile the three cases that brought you here today. First of all, will you tell us about the May 26, 2009 murder of Anthony Davis? On May the 26th, 2009, in the early morning hours of, of that, that day, a group of males identified as one white male, two Asian males, and a black male entered 2225 Norman Avenue here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It was during that time period that uh, two of the males were armed with pistols. One of them was armed with an AK-47. Uh, there was other individuals present as well. Mr. Davis was sitting on the couch uh, having a conversation with some individuals. Uh, we learned through our investigation that earlier that night, Mr. Davis had been involved in a uh, drug deal that had gone bad over on State Street here in Murfreesboro. During that time period, he had left and gone over to Norman Avenue. Uh, these individuals found him over on Norman Avenue, and two of the individuals uh, shot and killed Mr. Davis while he sat on the couch. During that time period, uh, several individuals were interviewed through that initial investigation. Uh, some physical evidence was also recovered. And right now we have three individuals that we have identified that was there, that we were involved. This is one of those cases where we just need one or two more people to come forward to really help us out, those, those witnesses. Uh, if they could come forward, this is one of those cases I believe that could easily move forward in the system, uh, in the court system, and, and be successfully prosecuted. 
Next, can you tell us about the July 15th, 2016 murder of Fausto Hernandez? On July 15, 2016, at approximately 9.01 p.m., Mr. Hernandez was seen walking into the neighborhood market and tobacco located at 1208 East Northville. Uh, after spending some time in there and, and buying the items he was looking for, he exits the market at around 9.06 p.m. At 9.12 p.m., three juveniles who were walking over to the, uh, there was at that time family a family video over there, uh, was seen walking over to the video store, and they had observed Mr. Hernandez sitting on a rock behind the uh, Marco's Pizza and the store uh, talking on a cell phone. Mr. Hernandez's wife, Carmen, was the one he was talking to, and she she remembered him uh, hanging up, and then at around 9.15 p.m., just a few, about a minute afterwards, his phone rang, her phone rang again, and it was Mr. Hernandez. But this time she stated that she could hear him talking to someone, so it was kind of a pocket dial. So Miss Hernandez listened on the phone, and then the phone went dead again. At around 9.30 p.m., four more subjects walked by the rock area and saw Mr. Hernandez lying on the ground. Uh, they walked over to family video uh, again. Uh, they also, too, walked over to family video to call 911. During this same time period, the three juveniles also had just walked out of the store or family video and walked by and seen Mr. Hernandez laying there as well and also called 911. Mr. Hernandez, when police got there and arrived, medical personnel, uh, he was immediately transported to Vanderbilt. Uh, the only thing that Mr. Hernandez could say before, due to his extensive injuries, uh, was the only thing he could tell officers and, and, and medical personnel on the scene was that a black male had shot him. Uh, and, and after that, Mr. Hernandez was unable to be questioned, and he never recovered uh, from those injuries, and he died at Vanderbilt. And our final case is the August 2nd, 2019 murder of Terrell Ray. On August 1st, 2019, Terrell Ray was celebrating his birthday with his friends and family. Uh, he had met one of his pastors in Nashville for dinner. Uh, they talked about work and, and other things that he was wishing to do. After having dinner, he went and met up with a friend for a few minutes. Uh, they also talked, and then he left Nashville and drove to Murfreesboro. We know that Mr. Ray drove to Murfreesboro. We also know, thanks in part to, at the time, the red light cameras there, that we know that Mr. Ray, when he entered Murfreesboro, nobody was following him. There was no suspicious activity indicating that anyone came from Nashville following him. Uh, Mr. Ray drove or from Nashville to Murfreesboro in his uh, 2016 Chevrolet Camaro. We know that he arrived at 2.52 a.m. Uh, in the city, and then he arrived around 3 a.m. at 2850 Middle Tennessee Boulevard, which is the Villager Apartments. He went to apartment B building, uh, which is where his girlfriend lived. He was coming to see her. She had gotten off work late that night, and he was coming to visit her after she had gotten off work. Uh, Mr. Ray parked his vehicle in the parking lot there and started to walk to her apartment. Mr. Ray was confronted by some individuals. We know that Mr. Ray never made it to the apartment. Mr. Ray was confronted by some individuals or near the apartment building. At that time, one of the suspects, Mr. Ray uh, dropped his items that he was in his possession, tried to run to his car, it may have even tried to resist in some ways when they're trying to rob him. And Mr. Ray was shot in the back multiple times. 
The suspects then took Mr. Ray's vehicle. Uh, they fled the scene in Mr. Ray's vehicle as well. The vehicle was recovered uh, at around 4.30 a.m. that morning. It was uh, thanks to uh, the uh, GPS that was on the vehicle, we were able to learn that the vehicle arrived at 43rd Avenue North in Nashville at around 4.30 a.m., and we recovered it shortly thereafter. This is one of those cases that really uh, Mr. Ray was, was uh, just coming to see his girlfriend and it's one of those cases where it's, it's a tragedy that he was gunned down like that just just like mr hernandez just like mr davis gunned down for no reason for for absolutely no reason there is a eleven thousand dollar reward for mr ray's murder case if anyone has any information the district attorney's office uh, general jones working with the governor's office received a ten thousand dollar reward from the governor and of course, Crime Stoppers also. And of course, there's Crime Stopper reward for the other cases as well. If anyone has any information, we would we would appreciate it. Thank you. And when we return, we will bring Larry Flowers to the WGNS microphones. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Host J. Paul Newman heard exclusively on News Radio WGNS. We welcome you back for part two of our cold case profile. Larry Flowers is the public information officer for the Murfreesboro Police Department. I have known Larry for many years. I first met Larry when he was a TV news reporter. Larry Flowers is a person of great integrity and professionalism. I was so impressed with Larry's great TV skills. He was a one-man show. He could run the camera, do the interview, and edit the tapes. We welcome Larry Flowers to our WGNS microphone. Welcome, Larry. Good morning, J. Paul. Do I pay you now or later? <laughs> later will be fine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Larry, I know that you've appeared on this station before, but for those who may not be familiar with you, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your education, training, and your vocational history. Sure. Um, I'm a what I'd like to recall a recovering uh, TV journalist. Spent 33 years in radio and TV in uh, Mississippi and Texas and, of course, in Nashville. I'm a graduate of the University of Southern Mississippi with a degree in broadcast journalism. Actually went to college with Brett Favre, so I'm telling my age there. So uh, uh covered Steve McNair in college so, and then covered him as a Titan. So, Wow. Yeah. Larry, can you tell us, does the Murfreesboro Police Department, do they have an unsolved homicide or what some people may call a cold case unit? Sure, sure. Department? Sure. We um, around the PD like to call them unsolved cases because when you mention cold case to a, to a victim's family, you know, that's kind of harsh. And they don't want to think of their, their loved one's case 
you know, in a box in a property room. So we try to refer to them as unsolved cases. And basically, we want to make sure that these family members know we're, you know, in pursuit of uh, solving their case, each and every one of them, even though some of the tips have stopped coming in, witnesses are not cooperating or whatever the case may be. So um, and we do feature those on our Web page. You know, simply go to uh, murfreesboro.tn.gov uh, forward slash police and uh, go under our department. And it has a link for those unsolved cases, the ones that Sergeant Abbott talked about, in addition to several others that uh, that we have featured on that page. Can you tell me whether or not the website is interactive? In other words, does it have links to leave information such as how to leave a tip or how to find out information if you're a member of the victim's family. Right. Uh, typically on those unsolved pages or our crime file pages, we do have clickable links to emails. Uh, we have a generic email, crime tips uh, at murfreesboro.tn.gov that you can simply kick, click on that and open up our email browser and then you can send your tips in that way but also you know crime stoppers you can always call crime stoppers 615-893-STOP that's uh 7867 uh, it's the last four numbers and then now we have uh the p3 global intel app and you know in the day and age of technology you have crime fighting right in your in the palm of your hands. If you see a crime happening, if you're a witness of a crime, you can snap a photo, you can shoot video, simply click a button, and that will go directly to the appropriate agency here in Rutherford County. Now, I've seen some other websites, and I'm asking you this question. I'm not sure whether your website has it or not, but as far as for family members, do we have a, uh, or would you consider a password link website where the family members can get updates on what's going on that's kind of private, so it kind of keeps them in status. Is that something you might consider? Well, definitely something we would love to consider, um, you know, because technology is the way to go these days. But I can tell you that our victims' uh, family members have direct access to all of our detectives. I mean, uh, we have one family member every single day reaches out to the police chief, to the lead detective on the case and even even Sergeant Abbott. And so on that, they have direct access, I should say, to those uh, particular uh, family members. But, you know, as technology improves, we would love to get a link or something like that where they can have a click of a button to uh, receive updated information on their cases. Can you tell us how Crime Stoppers works? How does it function? Sure. Uh, Crime Stoppers is uh, basically governed by a board of private citizens. Um, there were a group of citizens here in Rutherford County that felt the need that we needed something like this so where folks can uh, send in tips anonymously. And, um, and so these community leaders basically, you know, created Crime Stoppers. We partner with Crime Stoppers at Murfreesboro Police and all the law enforcement agencies within Rutherford County makes up that uh, Rutherford County Crime Stoppers. And so basically people can report uh, tips anonymously. Uh, the board offers up to a thousand dollar reward for information that will lead to an arrest in a case. Not necessarily that they're going to get a thousand dollars, but up to a thousand dollars, depending on on the um, the person we're looking for. So uh, that's typically how Crime Stoppers work. One of the things about Crime Stoppers that that often bothered me was that the amount has been one thousand dollars ever since I can remember. 
And one of the things that I, I looked into was why is it one thousand dollars? And what I found out was was that IRS had agreed that if the amount is one thousand dollars or less, then it is tax free. I encourage our legislatures to possibly get that law changed so that we can up that amount a little bit. Exactly. Would you agree with that? I totally agree because, you know, money talks. (laughs) And if you offer a little more money, especially, uh, you know, in in today's uh, times where, you know, inflation is through the roof, somebody may need that extra money just to pay a bill. So uh, I would definitely encourage our lawmakers to consider that. Tell us now about the P3 Global app and how, how the public can get that app. Sure. Uh, Rutherford County Crime Stoppers has uh, partnered with uh, P3 Global Intel app. It's a new, the next generation of crime fighting, as I like to call it. Uh, citizens can report crime tips, submit videos in real time using that app for Crime Stoppers. And again, it's called the P3 Global Intel app. Uh, you can go to your Apple ISO or your uh even your Android devices, just go to the Google Play Store, download that particular app, uh, and then there are a few steps you have to follow. You can actually click on whatever law enforcement agency you want to report that tip to. So in this case, Murfreesboro Police, or you can do Rutherford County Sheriff's Office if you have a tip for Laverne Police. And typically what that will do is send an alert. You can report this anonymously. You don't have to even sign in your name on the app. You can literally click anonymously and then of course the way crime stoppers work you get you know a code and that code you would use to typically collect your money and so uh, this p3 uh, global intel app is just a modern way of reporting crime other than just picking up the phone leaving an anonymous tip i'm a big fan of crime files and i know that you've had a big part in that and you brought so much talent there and also you organized talent to assist you. Can you tell us about the crime files? Sure, sure. MPD crime files. uh, When I was in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, working for uh, the MBSC affiliate there, we constantly did uh, reenactments of crime. You know, Sergeant Abbott just gave you an update of several cases, but when you see those cases and see how that crime went down, typically our hope and our goal is, is for someone to see that and it sparks a memory. It's like, oh, I remember that. I remember seeing this crime and then maybe call in a tip. But um, what Murfreesboro Police partners with uh, Murfreesboro City TV, our producer and videographer uh, Michael Nevels uh, work closely with us. What we do is we will get uh, actors from or actresses from Murfreesboro Little Theater, and they will come and play a part of the victims, typically the suspect. We like to use a police officer, so in that case, to recreate these crimes. And so we do have them listed on our website. Larry, I want to commend you for the outstanding service that you've provided the Murfreesboro Police Department and this community. In a world where some saw only an open field, Middle Point Landfill saw an opportunity for dreams to flourish. You see, in 2019, Middle Point made a $125,000 investment into the Oakland High School football field, which was an investment into tomorrow's leadership. The turf that Middle Point helped to lay at Oakland helped pave the way for some students to become standout players at schools like UT and MTSU, and one became a coach at LSU just last year. We're Middle Point Landfill, and we're proud to support the dreams of our youth. 
we are broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Download the MyMTE app in Google Play or in the iTunes Store and keep up with your electric usage. The free app gives you better control of your power consumption and provides the ability to see exactly how much electricity you use. Simply search for MyMTE today. The Monthly District Attorney Show, heard exclusively on News Radio, WGNS, the first Friday of each month. If you missed any part of this program, it will be available shortly as a podcast on the WGNS website. As we end our program today, we thank WGNS for providing the airtime. And we thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. We leave now by saying, a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my two co-hosts, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch, this is J. Paul Newman bidding all of you a safe and blessed day. The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro.